good to see you all today. It's good to have a, a good filled hall. It's great when you see folk going out getting more chairs in it. That's, that's quite incredible. Did they know I was coming? <laughs> One wonders, isn't it? But I must apologise. If you can think back to when it was not lovely and dry, you hardly had any rain, and then the rain come on. Think back, that's when we arrived from Scotland. It's when rain's arrived here. But the thing is, it was raining over by anyway, so it doesn't matter too much. We're accepting it and we're enjoying it. Husband uh, said to his wife, I don't want to go to church today. Why not, said the wife. I just don't want to go. But you'll need to. You're the minister. (laughs) Pastor went to uh, the doctor to say that his wife's snoring was bothering him. Is it bothering you that much? Oh, it's not just me, it's the whole congregation. (laughs) I'd like to speak to you today from a small book, a little book called James. James chapter 4. It's really bang up to date, 2022. James chapter 4. I'll leave my specs. And we break into it in... Number 13, verse number 13. It says there about that boasting, James says, a boasting about tomorrow. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, we'll spend a year there, and we'll carry on business and make money. Why you do not know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good you ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Amen. James is quite a small book. It's only 108 verses, so you could read through it quite quickly. But you know, it's alive, it's active, it's got a punchline. And it's well worth reading it because it's got practical instructions for us all. No matter what age we are, there's instructions there for us. He wasn't actually an apostle. He was the brother of the Lord Jesus himself. Tradition teaches that he would not renounce the love of his Saviour and Master. And so he died a martyr's death. He was hurled off, so they say, and from the temple and killed. That's what history teaches us. But the tremendous thing is that his writings are still here for us today. We're able to read them enjoy them and take them from him. So he gives a great advice from this little book. Things like how to live a well-ordered life. To watch your tongue. Very important. That our faith and our deeds are justified by our works. And the need for prayer in our everyday life. 
but he also shows us the seven downward slopes of humility which should be in each of our lives. And these things are within this epistle. However, one verse I just want to leave with you today, in fact, it's not even a verse. It's only four words. What is your life? People ask questions today. In my young days, and that was a while ago, you had to be quiet. You didn't ask questions. And if we had visitors for tea, and we saw a nice cake on the table that we thought we would like, there was no way you would ask for it in the presence of company of adults. If it was FHB, family holds back. And if you did it, if you asked for it, by golly, you knew what would happen later on when the visitors left. Not only you'd get a row, you'd maybe get even more than that. But nowadays it's the opposite. They're encouraged to ask questions. Youngsters are encouraged, that if they're at school or if they're students, they're there to ask questions because they want the answers to these questions. It's not because the teachers don't know the answer. They know the answer. But they want the the youngsters to get to know the answer. And of course, here in the Bible, a lot of questions are asked. But the remarkable thing that within the Scriptures, we also get answers to these questions. Answers to problems. Answers to things that happen in our everyday life. and And answers to spiritual things as well. And here James in this little book is asking an important question. What is your life? You know, the older you get, the more you realise how quickly time is passing. Here we are into another month. It's not that long ago since we had a new year. The month of January just went like that. Some folk, it's her birthday they're going to have very soon. And that year goes in so, so quickly. The remarkable thing is, it's not just the old folk. Nowadays it's realising how quick time is passing. Even youngsters today start to think of how quickly time is passing. So James in his book, he reminds us of things in in our life. And he asks the question, what is your life he asks a question but the great thing is he also gives an answer to that question and we know that what a vapour is we're told here our life is just like a vapour we put the water in the kettle we boil the kettle out comes that little bit of vapour and we see it for what? such a short time and then it's gone into the atmosphere Life at breast is very brief, like the falling of a leaf. Like snowflakes on a river, they're there, then gone forever. And so while man can do great things within their life, one thing they can't do is turn back life. Life is gone. Yesterday has gone. And all we have is today or tomorrow. My son Scott had a clock in his room when he was at home 
which went backwards. Just to be different. The remarkable thing is it actually works. You, you can actually tell the time by looking at it. And I, I used to use it quite often going out speaking to youngsters because, oh, here's a clock that goes backwards. It shouldn't go backwards. And life doesn't go backwards. It always goes forward. And what is done is done forever. It's gone. And all we have is our memory, which is wonderful. To look back and to remiss and to remind ourselves perhaps of the good things which was in our life that we enjoyed. But you know, we can also praise God for these memories. Because while we can enjoy these happy events, the one thing we can't do is take it back. We can't go back. We can't, we can see our faults, yes, we can see things that are wrong in our life and we might want to correct them, which is good. But as far as back is concerned, we've only got the future. And James says the life, sorry, the the length of our life, we do not actually know. But we have to redeem this life. We have to make advantage of this life. We have to make this life count for something. And as a result of that, we ask today, how are you living your life? You see, when someone comes and speaks to you and gives you a message from the Lord, you have a responsibility because whoever it is has done their bit. But you have to make a choice every time you hear someone speak. And they ask the question, how are you spending your life? We've had the frustrations, we've had the limitations of this pandemic and it's made our life difficult in so many ways. We've lost 25 months in our life, we wonder where it's gone. But you know, we can still make the best of our life because this is a life which should be counting for God. Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it. There's an unknown poet wrote, poem who wrote, Time that is past you can never recall. Of time to come you're not sure at all. Only the present is in your power. Therefore, redeem and improve every hour. What is your life? How are you living your life? And are you living it to the very best of your ability? Making every minute count. You know, people who ask the question may say, well, you know, I'm a good person. I come to church on a Sunday. I'm a good provider. I'm moral. I'm upright. I'm even religious. I'm respectable. But does your life count for anything? For God? You see, there are many people who seem to drift through life, wasting their life. Apologise, I dry up very quickly. I've got long-term COVID, believe it or not. I've had it for two years. And one of the things that dries me up when I'm speaking. Many people live defeated lives. And they shouldn't. That's the life. It's for real. This is not a rehearsal, folks, this morning. This is real. We've only got the one life, so we must use it to the very best of our ability. And people have no captain, nobody at the helm, nobody giving them guidance. And they go through life and they wonder why it goes by so quickly. And we need to use it and we need to use it 
wisely. I'm going to take you to school today. It's a long time since we've been at school. We all love the three R's, didn't we? Well, here's one. I'm going to put you into three categories of arithmetic. Simple arithmetic. Three things you got at school. I'll take you back today. And the first sign that we learned was a minus sign. We learned how to do things by taking them away. And you know, I know of people and their life is so complicated that they're full of bad luck or they do things. Instead of it being simple, it becomes such a thing that they can't solve it. They're doing do it, do it yourself and uh, it maybe be the house or maybe in the car or maybe uh, extra work they're trying to do. And instead of just getting it done, they go into all sorts of complications. Instead of getting a guy called a tradesman to come to the house and do whatever it is it to be doing, no, no, we'll be able to do it ourselves. And then it becomes an absolute disaster. And sometimes people's lives are like that. They don't seem to get the simple way of doing things. I'm a great believer. If there's two things to, to be done, you do it the simple way. Don't get it involved and get all muddled up and into a tile. But their life is like that. It's full of the, the bad luck. They never seem to be doing things properly. They get tangled up in their life. And life itself becomes a big problem. And they make it. It's self-made. They make it a problem. But you know, maybe your life is a negative because you have never really became a Christian yet. Here we're flicking over now to the spiritual aspect of it. There's something missing in your life because you haven't got the Lord there. And you know, there are many examples in the Bible of people who were respectable, people who were upright. But you know, they went away without taking the life that Jesus was going to give them. They got an opportunity and they didn't take it. Almost, remember King Agrippa, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. And whether it's Felix and these other people, their lives were minus and as a result of that, they were away from God. And at school when we got this sign, we knew minus meant you subtract something from your equation. You took it away as a minus. Maybe we, this morning, as we look at this, say, that what are we needing to take away from our life? And sometimes it's just our pride. We need to get rid of our pride. Realize that we're unworthy in God's sight. Realize that we're not living the life that we should be living. And we need to take something away. Yes, we don't deserve God's gift. But He's provided for us. He's given us it. And it's up to us to take that to a whole We all need to do it. We all need to accept it. We all need to respond to it. We all need to repent from the life that we're living and turn over, as it were, a new leaf, a life with God. Because God has paid the price in the person of the Lord Jesus. And it's because of that we are able to realize that our life doesn't need to be a minus life. Okay, you say, I'm not a minus I'm as good as anybody else. Mr. and Mrs. Average do the best things that I can do. And this is perhaps the majority of people today. 
But you know, that's another thing, another sign. It's the eco sign. As good as the other person. Nothing special. Live every day, ordinary lives, trying to get through life to the best of our ability. Sincere in our outlook, and yet we can be sincerely wrong. Some years ago, Nancy and I went to Edinburgh to go on the plane <coughs> for a holiday. We arrived there, put the car into the, the car, plate, car park, got into the airport, looked for the desk, and we couldn't find it. So, my goodness, it was that early that it's not even open yet. So we went to this information and said, listen, we're looking for Jet 2's uh, desk, but, but can you see it? So the person in the looked at it, said, give me your booking form. So they got the booking form, looked at it. Ah, you should be leaving from Glasgow Airport, not Edinburgh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Cars in the car park, what we're going to do now? Will we get the plane? You see, we were sincere. I'm going to Edinburgh. But we're sincerely wrong. As a result of that, it cost me £100 <laughs> to get the taxi over to it. But we got it there. We got there. The Lord was better. And we got it. But you know, that's it, isn't it? We do things and we can be sincere in the things we do. And yet we can be sincerely wrong. I'm sure Nicodemus, when he went to Jesus that night, looking for a question, thought he was as good as anybody else. In fact, he actually was better. Because as a member of the Sanhedrin, he was a good, loyal Jew. And yet he had to be told, listen, you need to be born all over again. And he had to get something new that night. And so when we looked at the scriptures and we see that we're as good as anybody else, we see in these scriptures that there are people who thought they were as good until they examined their life. The man in Luke 16 he thought he was better as well. He ended up in eternity. What did he do? He wanted to warn his brothers, don't come to this place. I've wasted my life as a result of it. I thought I was as good as anybody else. I thought I was equal as anybody else. So we need to get it right or we'll get left. And we don't want that. The Bible says there is no one right. No, not one. The best person is only a person at the best. The problem of the heart is the heart of the problem, folks, this morning. And if we say we're as equal as anyone else, then we realize that we're also as guilty as the one who needs to be changed. And an equal person is no any better than a minus person. The equal sign is just as bad as the minus sign. And so we don't want to waste the rest of our life. We need in humility to ask God to help us in our life. To ask for God's forgiveness. If we fall into a pool of water out there, it doesn't matter if it's only seven centimetres or seven feet. We'll still could drown. And it's the same with our life. It doesn't matter whether we think we're quite a good person and we don't sin very much. Or these guys, people out there who are doing things all the time which is wrong. As far as God is concerned, we need to have the same outlook in our life. That's why he says in John 3 and 16, I am the way. And he as God gave us the way. He gave his son in order that we can have eternal life. So you need to put your life into his. You need to get yourself 
into a new life, if you like. And that takes us to our last sign. Well, not our last sign, our third sign. There's another little sign. And that is a plus sign. Remember getting that at school, you add in order to get the work done. Not a minus, not an equal, but adding. But you know, it's not a cult, it's not a, it's not a practice, it's not a religion. It's a person. And that person says that, he'll do, that he's done it for us. We don't need to do anything because he has done something as he's given to us, the Lord Jesus Christ. God sent his sons as a him. They called him Jesus. He came to save, heal and forgive. And so we need to add a dimension onto our life today. We need to bring Jesus into our life if we haven't accepted him. We need that change within our life. And they're called saved people, converted people, people who have added someone onto our life and into our life in order that we can live a great life. When Peter saw Jesus walking in the water, he jumped in. That was the impetuous Peter. That was the kind of guy who did something and then think about it later. And he went towards the Lord and then he realized, what am I doing? Where am I doing? I'm standing here in water. It's going to sink me. And he started to sink. What did he call to? Did he call the disciples? Did he call to the boat? No. Just three words. Lord, save me. Jesus stretched out his hand and said to Peter, Why did you doubt? And that's it today. Some people will not take the Lord because they're doubting in their own life. They don't think perhaps they're good enough. We've met people who realize that when they come to Jesus, yes, he will save you regardless of your background and who you are. And so what a better place than here today within this church as we're enjoying the fellowship together and we're enjoying the singing and we're enjoying each other. Here's a message for you today. What is your life? You need the Lord. He does not lead me year by year or even day by day, but step by step my path unfolds. The Lord, He knows the way. And so then, dear friend, if you haven't taken this sign, the plus sign, and added something to your life, added Christ to your life, and if you receive, if you do so, you'll receive this salvation that's spoken about in the Scriptures. But we don't want to neglect it. We don't want to reject it. We don't want to turn it away. Because there's a life here which has meaning, a life which has purpose, a life which can change you in every aspect. And you know, those of us who are here today and have believed and trusted in Him, we're looking for another sign. We're singing about it there. It's the sign of His coming. Because the Apostle Paul in Thessalonians 4 says, For the Lord Himself shall come, and He'll take us to be with Him. What is your life? Within Chester Cathedral, there's a clock, stands a clock in there. And on the door of the clock, this verse appears. When is a child I left, I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. 
And later as I older grew, time flew. That's me. Soon I shall find while travelling on, time gone. And the question today is, will Christ have saved my soul by then? And those of us who are believers, those of us will be able to say Amen to these words.